Coming up on today's Next Fan Up podcast, Greg needs a little pick-me-up. We're sitting in a uh, situation that I'm not really useful. What do you think, Rob? Can we help him out? He would as long as they brought uh, Alshon's hamstring doctor with him. If we do all this, what do you think will ultimately happen, Kevin? You have a party with LeBron. You know, for some reason, I don't think any of this has to do with free agency or the Combine, so why don't we get started with the show now? Hello? We go out, we hit people in the mouth. You play to win the game. Next fan up. I want winning. Featuring Pod Vader and the super fans. But they are who we thought they were. Welcome to the We've Got an Hour on the Clock, give or take a half an hour edition of the Next Fan Up podcast. I am Pod Vader, joined by the super fans once again. This week, no guest, as we will go deep into a number of subjects including the franchise tags who got the tag who didn't uh free agency some big names were just cut this past week i'll talk a little bit about that uh we have a couple of articles that were written by our super fans and much much more your emails uh we actually got one uh sent to us at nextfanup at gmail.com so we're going to talk about all of that but first let me introduce you to who will be doing the talking. I am joined by our Steelers superfan, Greg. Hello, Greg. Hey, Jay. How's it going? It's rocking and rolling. It's free agency time. Uh, next up on the docket, we have another one of our Thursday regulars, James, our Eagles superfan. Hello, James. Hello, Pod Vader. Fly, Eagles, fly. <laughs> sure. You know, the Eagles the Eagles and Carson Wentz keep getting mentioned quite a bit in terms of how to build a franchise. Uh, I want to talk about that a little bit, too. Uh, speaking of how to build a franchise, a team that doesn't seem to know how to is the Bills. And our Bills superfan, Rob, is here. Hi, Rob. I knew about five words into that lead and that you were going to be introducing me next. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the Bills aren't that good. <laughs> Uh, and a team that may have just got lucky with the way that they built their franchise, the Cowboys, in our super fan Kevin, as always, joins us from Prison Zone 6. Yes, I, I just discovered that I have a burner phone. I didn't know that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, we 100% got lucky. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but uh, such good things happen to such wonderful teams and people like myself. Lots of luck involved, lots of perhaps smarts involved, but uh, it is free agency time and the combine, the combine going on right now in Indianapolis where, you know, all the hopes and dreams rest on the next generation of NFL superstars uh, as they work out for teams uh, in the great state of Indiana. Uh, but we'll be talking about all of that and so much more here on the next fan up podcast for many, many weeks, including the super fan super mock draft right before the actual draft. Uh, and we'll get into some of that a little bit later on as well. We got so much to get into. So hopefully you have subscribed to the show. Uh, you have shared the show with a friend and you're getting ready to send us in your questions and your thoughts on what's going on in the NFL. Uh, let's start with the franchise tag because there were a number of guys that got the franchise tag. Well, specifically seven guys that were tagged as franchise players. And that is Kirk Cousins and the Washington Redskins, uh, Le'Veon Bell and the Pittsburgh Steelers, but also Chargers linebacker Melvin Ingram. Giants defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul, Cardinals linebacker defensive end Chandler Jones, Panthers defensive tackle Kawan Short, and the Rams cornerback Tremaine Johnson, who might have been the biggest surprise out of all of them that got tagged. Uh, but there were a few that didn't get tagged, and one of them I know, Rob, was uh, Stephon Gilmore, the cornerback uh, from your team. Uh, yeah, this is true. There was a lot of wondering uh, if uh, he was going to get the tag this year. Um he didn't. I think a couple of the reasons why one, uh, the Buffalo Bills, specifically uh, Doug Whaley, the general manager, uh, he's not very good at managing a cap. Uh, so they're going into uh, just for the sake of arguing, let's assume they keep Tyrod uh, Taylor quarterback there at about 18 million. And if they were to franchise uh, Stefan Gilmore. Uh, they think the number for cornerbacks is about 14 million this year would really leave them with nothing. Um, barring anyone to cut. And there's no real, like, high-priced guys that they could cut uh, this year. 
Um, and also, I think just with the new defense uh, that the new coach uh, McDermott is bringing in, and you saw it last year uh, with Carolina, uh, where he was a defensive coordinator, um, where, you know, they showed they didn't want to pay uh, the cornerback position. Um, and I think the Bills are going to kind of have that be more of an area emphasis, be the defensive line and the linebackers. And uh, since they play so much zone defense, or they will, um, assuming they run the same defense that McDermott has run for the past, uh, you know, couple years or so, that they're not going to want to, they're not going to want to spend that big type money on a quarterback. Mm. Gilmore had a down year this year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, he was hot and cold. He was kind of cold in the middle of the year, but you could probably say that about anyone on that Rex Ryan uh, dumpster fire defense. Um, he did start to play well uh, more towards the end of the year. I think he, there was a little sense of urgency that, hey, I'm supposed to get paid. And I mean, he uh, he ended up he did end up making the uh, the Pro Bowl. Uh, granted, as an alternate, I think uh, I think uh, he was like the third or fourth alternate, but. Um, he did play better in the second half. I think his mind frame was the money because the cleats he wore at the Pro Bowl um, said, show me the money, and we're green with dollar signs all over. Them. Mm. Yeah, doesn't normally uh, <laughs> make it uh, advantageous for you in free agency when you do that. Uh, but let's, uh, I mean, I think everybody else on this call, every team would love to have a corner. I'm going to start, though, with you, Kevin, uh, as as your team obviously is still always looking to improve their defense and cornerback might be a position of interest. Although I don't know if a high price cornerback is in your stars. Would you rather have Stefan Gilmore or AJ Bouye? Ooh, uh, I think that's a pretty tough decision, but I'm, I'm leaning towards Stefan Gilmore and that could just be because he's a, more highly recognizable name. AJ Bouye sort of just came onto the scene last year. Um, and even though Stefan Gilmore, I guess um, he did have a bit of a down year. He's still uh, an above average corner. And I think that his consistency over the years is something that not necessarily excites me more, but has me more comfortable, would have me more comfortable signing him than Bouye. But that is a moot point because we're not going to get either of them because they're going to be way outside of our price range. But if I had to choose, it would probably be Gilmore. So let's go to you, James, as a, a team uh, pretty much associated with as a young and up and coming team being mentioned as a team to the way you properly build a team around a guy like Carson Wentz uh, defense might be an area to uh, look at in uh, your future. Uh, defense is definitely part of the plan going forward. Uh, it was supposed to carry us last year to a possible 8-8 eight and eight record. It didn't. There were points in the season where the defensive line didn't show up. and Basically, for the majority of the season, there was no secondary. So we were out there a lot of times just giving up 50-yard bombs at will. Um, worse in the league as far as deep plays, um, allowed over 20 yards and long touchdowns as far as the passing game is concerned. Um, they started off offseason by cutting Leotis McKelvin and not resigning Nolan Carroll. So both of them are gone out the door. We would definitely be looking at corners. Uh, as far as out of these two, the best one to pick up, I honestly can't say. I'm, I'm not thoroughly impressed with either um, as far as the scheme that we were on in Philadelphia, but I, I am looking forward to who's coming out in the draft and some of the other people who are slated to get cut soon. I will uh, say Gilmore's best seasons came under your current defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz. Just something to think about. That is true. That, that, that is true. But li like you said, last year was up and down. So, and wearing, like you said, wearing green cleats at the Pro Bowl saying, show me the money, not, not a good look. <laughs> uh, before I throw it to Greg, because the, the Steelers made quite a number of moves, and I definitely want to get his thought on the cornerbacks. Uh, I'm, I'm noticing now – there are some strong trade talks, and again, it's another wide receiver linked to your team, Brandon Cooks of the yeah. New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Eagles are being linked to him, the Titans as well. What are your thoughts there? Uh, definitely a speed guy who can stretch a defense, uh, open up some things for the guys underneath, uh, can also be used with some gadget plays and trickeration, you know, uh, jet sweeps, bubble screens, um, quick hitches out of, out of the backfield. 
he's not very the size and the height is not on his side, but definitely he has good hands. He he runs phenomenal routes from what I've seen of him in New Orleans. Um, definitely can take a top off the defense. Uh, depending on what the Saints are, you know, wanting in return, could dictate where he goes between Philadelphia and Tennessee. Uh, ultimately, it's not going to happen anytime soon. This is something we'll probably come back to when it happens, say, after the draft. Uh the Titans would end up giving up their fifth round to move back to the 11th or I'm sorry, their fifth pick to move back to the 11th. I'm not seeing anything here about what the Eagles would have to give up. Uh, they will either do, 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 give up the 14th or 15th pick in the draft. Yeah. But Pending a coin, that, oh, that pens a coin flip, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, never mind. Now, that's what happens when you just breeze through these articles. Um, so yeah, let's uh, let's move on now to Greg. Greg, uh, your team made a number of moves. Um, you know, but first, before I get into that, would uh, would one of those those two cornerbacks, Stephon Gilmore or AJ Bouye, interest uh, you on that Steelers defense? Uh, not their price tags, just because. The way this team is built and the way they've invested uh, this past draft with two uh, guys in the secondary they're both playing uh, the other top two picks, I, I just don't see the investment uh, being warranted for them, for my team. I, I, they're good players. I'm not putting them down or anything. Just We're built. We need pass rush. So if it's a pass rusher, if Ingram had made it out of the free agency or the restricted uh, franchise players, then maybe, but not for a quarter. Well, you, you, you re-signed old man Harrison to the team. I mean, band-aids, the oldest linebacker in the league. Come on. Uh, talk about some of the moves that the Steelers have made here in the last week. You know, Le'Veon Bell gets tagged. James Harrison gets re-signed. You know, what are your thoughts uh, as uh, this free agency period is about to be upon us? I think it's been great so far. We had $23 million of cap space after all the moves. I think we're spending uh, upwards of $25 million this year on Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell combined and still have $23 million left over. And we've added Harrison for depth. Uh, we've added our, we've retained our uh, backup tackle, Chris Hubbard, who's our like six offensive lineman shoring up that. So we don't need to address that in the draft. We're sitting in a, a situation that I'm not really useful. Uh, we're under the cap before the, the plan year. We've already got most of our guys resigned that we want to resign. And we can actually add a mid-level free agent as we're going forward. You know, like hopefully not just like this guy, but Darius Green we added last year. Hopefully we can add another guy like him. Um, other than that, I'm going to be watching uh, – you know, I'm watching for Stephon Tewitt to get an extension here. That's the next big thing that's going to be newsworthy for me. And I guess we're going to watch what happens to Landry Jones. Uh, he's kind of the forgotten man in all these other free agent quarterbacks. Uh, you know, he's good for us because he knows the system, and I hope they resign him. But it's been kind of crazy. You know, we even got a comp pick last week. I mean, everything's turning up roses right now for the Steelers. Oh, heck, even Mortavis uh, Bryant has applied for reinstatement. I mean, uh, February was really good to the Steelers. So it really comes down to what are the needs for the Steelers? And I, and I did sort of allude that I think defense is probably the one area that uh, your team needs to improve on. Absolutely. Uh, they're going to have to add at least, in this really deep edge player class, I think at least two edge rushers because they have Dupree and then they have old man Harrison, like you said, and then everyone else could be cut. So, And that's really been the, the downfall of this team is not getting pressure from their outside linebackers. So that is the top priority, in my opinion. You know, I hear the draft is really deep at corner and safety. I'll take one or two of those guys, you know. And then D'Angelo Williams is a free agent right now. He's 32, 33 years old. We need a backup running back, especially with Bell's, you know, off the field issues, injury history, whatever you want to say. So this is a good year for them, and the draft is lining up. But all the needs for this team also reflect where the the draft is really uh, deep also. You know, one of the guys I didn't bring up yet, uh, as I want to talk about some of the guys that didn't get the franchise tag, is a guy on my team, Dante Hightower. Uh, and we had a small conversation in our Slack group amongst all the super fans about Hightower's prowess on the field. The thing that I 
as uh, my perception of Hightower is that he's not necessarily an every down back. He's a fantastic run stuffer uh, and he can rush the quarterback, uh, you know, given the right situation. But in pass coverage, he tends to be a little bit of a liability, uh, which is not something you necessarily want to hear when you're talking about a, a linebacker that's going to command the price tag that he's going to command. Um, that said, I'm sure every one of you super fans on this call would want him on your team. Uh, is there anyone that wouldn't want him? Me. All right, go ahead, James. <laughs> well, uh, we, we have a young middle linebacker because I believe Hightower is a Mike linebacker, right? Yes. Yeah, so we, we have a guy who we just drafted two years ago. Um, he missed his rookie, half his rookie season last year with a torn tricep in that Monday night uh, game against Dallas. Came back this year, command, had complete command of the defense. Uh, like I said, aside from lapses from the front four and the secondary, the linebackers actually play exceptionally well, and, and I owe that to him. So we're not in the market to supplant a guy who's basically the signal caller in our defense, second going into his third year in the system with Hightower. Granted, Hightower, you know, is a veteran in this league, has been around for a while. I think he more so fits the scheme of what the Patriots do. And some team, you know, out there may throw a lot of money at him, but I, I think he's a system guy and he may fall victim to what quite a few players fall into is that they're only good in a certain scheme with a particular team. And if the new team they go to doesn't run the same system or scheme, then they're completely exposed. And you're saying that he's already a liability in pass coverage. Well, say he goes somewhere where they run – you know, uh, a, 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 a hardcore three, four like Houston. And he, you know, he's in the middle with another Mike linebacker and misses when he's supposed to drop back as opposed to stay up near the line of scrimmage, you know, things like things like that could happen. So I'm not saying he's not a good linebacker. He, he's definitely a wonderful talent, but I believe that he fits the scheme more than his talent would pretty much fit in anywhere. You know, and then from the Patriots side of things, you know, as I look at Hightower, this is one of those situations where I've read a lot that he might be getting the Devin McCourty treatment. Go ahead and test free agency. Give us the opportunity to match whatever it is that you're offered out there. Of course, knowing the Patriots, they're not going to match anything that's going to be ridiculous. Uh, and they're really are only a few teams that could afford to offer Hightower ridiculous uh contract cleveland immediately comes to mind but i think san francisco uh, would be another team that would be interested in a guy like hightower considering what they've got going on in their linebacking core um but you never know uh we'll have to see uh rob who are some of the other guys that uh that we missed that didn't get franchise tagged um uh, players that didn't get franchise tagged let me think. I don't have a list in front of me of guys that could have that didn't. Um, I thought you did. That's why I went to you. Oh, I had the. <laughs> no, I told you I had the article pit post uh, lifted up. Oh, all right. I, I, I think <laughs> off the top I of my head, Barry Poe didn't get tagged, and I was surprised yeah, by that. That's it. That's it. Eric Barry got since Eric Barry got this deal. I figured Don Terry Poe was going to get the tag because that's something we have been discussing for like the last couple of casts that we knew one of the two of them was going to get tagged. And Barry had pretty much vehemently said he was not going to play under the tag. So when he got his deal earlier this week, I just assumed that Poe was going to be the one for Kansas City who got tagged. He didn't. So I don't know what their plan is for him because he's going to command a top five salary at his position because of everything that he does for them not just defensively, but how they use them in gimmick plays on offense as well. Uh, go ahead, Kevin. Uh, one person I was sort of surprised at that didn't get the franchise tag was uh, Brandon Williams, the, the nose tackle for the Ravens, because he, he he's an absolute stud against the run. I mean, he, he does lack a little bit of a pass rush, which could be the reason for it, but at least when he played, when the, the Ravens played the Cowboys, Brandon Williams was by far the most effective. Not, not he was by far the most effective defensive lineman against the Cowboys. Um, so I, I'm, I wish uh, Don was here so I could ask him a little more about the the situation. Maybe they're just trying to get him a long term contract. But I was a little surprised that they didn't franchise him 
and then continue long-term negotiations just so he can't test the free agency market because he's a, he's a really good player and that's someone the Ravens definitely don't want to lose. I read that it was all about uh, Michael Pierce, uh, the guy who was his backup that filled in. Yeah, and, yeah, he, he, he and was solid like last year. With him. All right, makes sense. But, I, I, I mean, I wish I wish the Cowboys could take on Brandon Williams, even though he doesn't really fit our scheme because oh, Apple yeah. is stud against the run. For sure. So, so you're looking at Brandon Williams, looking at Don Terry Poe. So there's some good, there's some good beef to add to defensive lines in this off season. Uh, how about a guy like Alshon Jeffrey, uh, the wide receivers, uh, the wide receiver that the Bears didn't tag? Um, I'm not going to talk to you, Kevin, because you're set at wide receiver. Uh, same with you, Greg. You're pretty set at wide receiver. But uh, James, your team needs a wide receiver. And while Alshon Jeffrey is intriguing, I'm not surprised that he didn't get tagged. Um, last year, he was both hurt and suspended, and the previous year, he was mostly hurt. So um, it's not a big surprise that they didn't, you know, tag him. I also believe they're trying to move on from Jay Cutler as well, so they probably don't believe that he'll want to come back anyway. So there's no point trying to tie him down. Um, if he can get healthy and, you know, put the suspension behind him and move on, I think he'd be a wonderful addition. But like you said, we have, depending on the coin flip, the 14th or 15th pick in the draft. And I know that our in the first round, we're definitely looking at one of the top corners coming out of college or Williams, the wide receiver for Clemson um, coming out and you know, those are the two positions right now at the top of the Eagles list as far as free agency goes, as far as just improving the team in general. But aside from like a, na- a can't-miss name that would definitely fit our scheme that we definitely have to have, I believe the draft is going to be the, the first and foremost route that we go before we sign a big-name free agent. Now, don't get me wrong, I would love to have Alshon Jeffrey in an Eagles uniform take some of the pressure off some of these other wide receivers so that, you know, they're not in tight man-to-man coverage because they can't seem to catch anything in a phone booth right now. So while he would be a wonderful and welcome addition, I'm not really holding my breath. Rob, would uh, Alshon Jeffrey help improve the Bills? I mean, uh, he would as long as they brought uh, Alshon's hamstring doctor with him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would be my only concern. Um, I mean, he's great. He's a, but as someone who's had him on their fantasy football rosters each of the past two years, um, you know, he does definitely miss games. You know, not even, you know, he got suspended as well, which obviously, um, you know, is makes you weary to invest the type of money that you're going to have to invest it, you know, to get this guy. I mean, it, you look at um, what Sanu get last year, uh, $8 million a year. So Jeffries is going to get, you know, Jeffries going to get double digits. You know, he's going to get north of ten million a year. It's a lot of money. Uh, so for me, I would rather spend the money elsewhere. Um, although the Bills definitely need a receiver um, to go along um, with uh, Sammy Watkins and his hurt ankles, um, they would be a good pair that we'd never see on the field. Would you, would you be interested in Terrence Williams? Because I don't think the Cowboys are going to resign him. Yeah, I know. I know he's out there. Um, I don't know what the Bills are going to do um, as far as I think they're trying to sign Woods, but I don't think it's going to happen uh, because I think he's going to. The Bills are just so tied up cap wise. So I, mean, I think you even want the, Robert Woods. I would like Robert Woods. I, he's a for a team that you know they the Bills like to run the ball, and uh, he's a really good blocker, and a, I think he's a really good slot receiver. Um, I think what the Bills will do is kind of waited out the first couple weeks and kind of see what's available at the, uh, you know, in the bargain bin and uh, start doing some shopping, kind of similar to what they did last year. Do you miss Chris Hogan? I just, I, I, just, want, <laughs> I just wanted to troll that, a little bit. That's messed up, man. You that's mean 7-Eleven? That's 7-Eleven. <laughs> just wanted that's to troll fine. a little bit. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> before we jump into uh, – to a lot of quarterback talk, uh, there were some big names that were cut over the last week here, including Adrian Peterson, Jamal Charles, and Darrell Revis. And before we started, I posed the question to the guys that were already on the, on the phone, which of those three is most likely to get signed? So I will start with you, Kevin, because I don't believe you answered that question. 
Um, I would have to say Adrian Peterson. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind someone's going to sign him. It would be, I would be absolutely shocked if no one did. Jamal Charles has played five games, I think, in the last two years, so that is going to scare a lot of teams off, and for good reason. Um, so, I mean, AP is definitely going to get a contract. Um, it's not going to be for as much as he would he would like, um, but he's 32 years old, I think, so he has to ex- sort of expect that. Um, I just hope he doesn't go to the to the Giants, which I I've been hearing rumors about that would be absolutely awful, and it would be something that I, I honestly wouldn't be able to deal with, um, because he I just know if he went to the Giants, he would probably have about 350 yards against the Cowboys in his two games against us. So I'm just really hoping that doesn't happen. But, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind AP gets signed. It would be ridiculous if he doesn't. Uh, let's go to you, uh, Rob. Who do you think most likely to get signed there? I, I think it's AP. I think it's, you know, fairly amongst those guys. I think it's fairly obvious. Um, you know, he mentioned uh, the Giants. Um, he'd still have to run behind that terrible Giants offensive line, though. Um, the team I think it'd be kind of fun to see. I'd like to see him pull a reverse Brett Favre and uh, go play in Green Bay for a year or two. I think that would be kind of fun. That would be fun. Uh, so, Greg, I'll pose it to you. You know, Revis gets arrested in uh, in your great state of Pennsylvania. Uh, perhaps Revis uh, finishes his career there in Pittsburgh? No shot. But... Uh... <laughs> I mean, he's a, he's a pick guy and everything else, but I mean, Revis is not playing for a bargain. So Steelers are not going to add a guy like him. They just aren't. Uh, I will say this. I, I'll differ with everyone. I think all three of these guys are going to be on a roster. I think they're all going to sign. But I personally have uh, $2 million and a jersey waiting for Jamal Charles. He can take that D'Angelo Williams role for me. So. Hmm. James? I would like the Cowboys to get Jamal Charles, too. James, which of those yeah, three do you want on your team? Uh, on my team, wow. Um, who gun to my head? I take Peterson. Actually, um, he doesn't fit the running scheme of you know of what we do in Philadelphia as far as running the ball because it's a West Coast scheme, um, mostly between the tackles, inside dives, um, a lot of counters, a lot of misdirection. Uh, Peterson's pretty much a straight-ahead stretch-type runner that, that he ha- he does hit the, you know hit the hole still pretty well for his age. Um, you did bring up the, the possibly doing the reverse Brett Favre and going to Green Bay. That would definitely be interesting because um, their running back is a free agent as well. Uh, oh gosh, what's the guy's name? He had weight issues last year or the two years before. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy. Thank you. Um, Got hurt last year, sorry, but the year before had issues with his weight. So he's a free agent. And, you know, if they're interested and the two sides can come together on a price, that that would be fairly interesting to see um, going forward. Uh, I do believe as well all three of these players will get signed. I don't see Jamal Charles coming to Philadelphia unless we move Ryan Matthews because here you have two guys with the same laundry list of injury issues in their careers, whether it was recent or stretches the whole length of their careers, but we can't have both of these guys on the roster and possibly have them both banged up at the same time. Not to mention with the young depth they're trying to bring up between uh, Bar- uh, Barnum and uh, Smallwood, trying to get them into the flow of the offense and give them more of the load going forward. That would stunt their growth. Revis we can chalk it up to him having a bad year last year and off the field issues aside. If he can be half as at least as good as he was the last in the Patriots win the Super Bowl, not this past one, but two years ago, um, he would still garner some interest from somebody. Um, but if last year is what everyone's still dwelling on, you know, this basically abysmal subpar play, it'd take a team that's basically barely desperate at corner to sign him, um, especially anywhere near the number that he wants. He's not going to get the ten, twelve million dollar contract per year that he's looking for, not even on a one year, you know, deal like he did with the Patriots that uh, Super Bowl year he was there with them. So I do think somebody will reach and try to pick him up, provided everything with his off the field legal issues clears up in time for the season to start. 
So, um, so many things that I want to bring up with in terms of Revis. One, we all know we all think that Revis has got a one or two game suspension for conduct detrimental to the Shield, right? That's definitely, definitely something too. that's going to happen, right? Yep. Yeah, definitely too. Um, so so that's one thing going against him. Two, he's already seen what his career did when he looked for the highest you know, for, for the highest bill. Uh, he went to Tampa Bay and didn't quite work out for him down there, did it? Long uh, scheme. Right. So that so then he ends up in New England, wins himself a Super Bowl, and then he goes back to the highest bidder uh, and has a down year with the Jets. All three of these guys are on the twilight side of their careers, if that's fair to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and all three of these guys were clearly cut because of salary cap considerations. So... All three of them are going to have to come to terms at some point that they're going to have to take a pay cut. The thing is, is I agree with all of you. I think Adrian Peterson probably has the most left in the tank to offer to a team. But I do disagree with you, James. I think there is going to be a team out there uh, that will give Revis the money that he's looking for. The question is going to be, does he want to go to that team? Because, again, I look at the Browns and I look at the 49ers and I look at those two types of teams and Revis isn't going to be around to see the success that he would hopefully be able to instill in a team like that. Um, that's going to just playing for the love of the game, supposedly, as opposed to being a hired gun for a contender. Well, right. see, I got I to gotta take on the Revis because – He's all about the money, and he's been kind of, I don't want to say raised that way, but his uncle, Sean Gilbert, is the only guy to actually sit out on the franchise tag. You know, he has his family has a, a way of doing business, and he's, you know, he's done it as well as anybody. He makes money, and that's what he's in football to do. So I don't think he'd have a problem going wherever. If they offered him $14 million to go to Cleveland and go 0 16. I don't think he'd be happy, but he'd go and do it. He'd show up, he'd play. Yeah, he'd party with LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> Get that money, man. Get that money, man. Party with LeBron. That's what Bill Belichick was doing last night. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but worked, LeBron yeah. apparently fell on his lap uh, during a game last night. So, uh, yeah. Ken, our Charger superfan, who's been trying desperately to uh, – to somehow try and contribute to the show, uh, did a great job in our Slack group of posing this question. And unfortunately, you know, hey, hurting 32 of you cats is uh, extremely difficult to do. And so we all can't be available when the recordings occur. But uh, Ken uh, managed to write this. And I want to, I'm going to pose this to you guys and, and sort of read this out the way that he wrote it. Um, and talk a little bit more about quarterbacks and their value in the league. Uh, So he says, um, I think the Redskins have an amazing opportunity here to explore a roster construction experiment that we've recently witnessed in the NBA. Since the skins have the exclusive right to franchise tag him, meaning Kirk cousins, they're able to trade his rights to another team like the Niners, for example, from what I've heard, some people believe that the right to sign cousins could fetch the 49ers first round pick. Now, it's dumb to try and argue whether or not that's a good trade due to the wild speculation required for that debate. I do believe it might be interesting to think about how to react to that from the fans' perspective. Basically, if the Skins traded their quarterback for some sort of package equivalent to the value of San Francisco's first rounder this year, and then came out and said, we were not confident that Kirk was able to be the best player on a Super Bowl winning team. Furthermore, we believe the easiest way to win the Super Bowl is a quarterback at that caliber, how would you react? I haven't watched enough Kirk Cousins, so I can't say he's good or not, but if the organization came out and told me told me that, I think I might actually be fine with doing something like that. So Neil, our Washington Redskins superfan, reacted and said, if we trade Kirk Cousins, it would be a huge risk. What then is the plan? Hopefully we'd have one. I think I trust McLuhan, uh, who's not at the Combine, uh, because his 100-year-old grandmother apparently passed away. Uh, So our thoughts and prayers to the McLuhan family. Uh, I think I trust McLuhan more than Kirk Cousins, though. However, Cousins is still ascending, which is the quandary for the team. How good can he be? He's already done more than anyone predicted for him. We're a mile away from the Super Bowl, though, probably two to three years. So I'd be okay with the trade. The Niners' first round pick is not enough 
for Kirk Cousins. Uh, Ken goes on. If Shanahan really liked Cousins, I trust that guy enough to be willing to pony up a little more than just the first. Anyways, I'm a firm believer in the Philly idea. Here's where you come in, James. I actually think that the Browns are trying to do that. They've accepted that it's pointless to try and win without a quarterback. So they found their quarterback evaluator that they're going to put their trust in and a guy who can keep the morale high by being a player's coach in you, Jackson. I like Jackson. I perceive him to be smart. And I'm also assuming that he's in the ear of the GM to try and win the quarterback lottery. Meanwhile, as they wait for their star quarterback, they tank and stockpile as many draft picks as possible and covet draft picks for as long as you don't have the star quarterback. Then you use your stockpiled assets once you have your quarterback to go out and target specific needs that have been filled by the draft picks you've actually been using. That to me seems smarter, but I'm assuming that the best way to win the Super Bowl is to have a star quarterback. And furthermore, if I'm a fan and I buy into the idea that you need a star quarterback to have the best shot at the Super Bowl, which I do, by the way, then I'm willing to live with that. The worst part about the strategy, though, is that it's still not even a sure thing, because if you can't find the quarterback, you end up sucking. Uh, he's got a few more thoughts, but let's stop there for a second. And I want to talk to you, Kevin, because your your team found what we believe is their franchise quarterback of the future, but you didn't quite make it to the Super Bowl. Well, he was a rookie after all, so I, I'm... I'm very confident in the future for the Cowboys for, for that reason. Um, I mean, this year, the sophomore year for Dak will say a lot, but I'm confident in Dak's ability to be the face of our franchise for the next decade. Um, not only does he seem to have the the physical skills, but he seems, which maybe is always underrated. I mean, not underrated. People always talk about it, but I don't think it's ever truly valued as much as it should be. The mental aspect, Dak, Dak definitely has that game has that part of his game. But what Ken said, I, I mean, I, I have to agree with him. You need a quarterback to compete in this league. Um, maybe not 20 years ago, maybe not 15 years ago, but certainly in this day and age when teams pass it so much, when there's so many different, the, so many different passing play, passing plays, just the scheme, the, the scheme of offensive football has completely changed the past 10 years. Um, so that's why I don't think you're going to see many more Brad Johnson's winning Super Bowls just because what he was asked to do in Tampa Bay, quarterbacks are simply asked to do more than they were when he won the Super Bowl. So Ken makes a very good point. Um, you need a quarterback, and really, let's go to Kirk Cousins now. I think the Redskins would be, as Neil said, it would be a extremely high risk to trade him because. I mean, they would definitely, no matter what the Redskins would say, they, they would not have a plan for this year. They would 100% go 3-13 and 13 or worse if they traded Kirk Cousins. And that's something the fans obviously don't want to see. But maybe they're preparing for the future because I hear the, the NFL draft of 2018 has, is going to have a pretty, pretty um, good quarterback class, far superior than this year's. So, I mean... And then that also sort of ties into to what Ken's saying. Like, would that upset the fan base? Um, I don't know. It, it would have sort of upset me if they traded Kirk Cousins if I was a Redskins fan. But I'm a super big Kirk Cousins fan. Um, I'm not even sure how he became one. But every time he plays the Cowboys, I just love what I see against him. Uh, love what I see against the Cowboys. And, yeah, the Cowboys' defense isn't that good. But – that's really the only time I've ever seen Kirk Cousins play uh, every snap in a game. And he, I mean, his last game against the Cowboys, let's, let me look at his stats. I'm pretty sure he threw for over 500 yards. Yep, he did. And he just looked amazing. He was firing on all cylinders. And even if in 2018 you get, it's a really good quarterback draft class, as all the experts are saying, it's going to take at least two years for him to be what Kirk Cousins was this year. Um, I mean, it's not every year teams luck into someone like Dak. And I don't think Dak would have been nearly as good if he went to, to really any other team just because the Cowboys offensive line and Zeke Elliott really took a lot of burden off his shoulders. And he really was fortunate to have that. Um, but I mean, I think, I think, teams uh, need 
a top 12 quarterback in this league in this day and age to win a Super Bowl. Um, maybe some people will tell me Flacco's not a 12, top 12 quarterback. Um, and I, you're probably right. Um, but that's an anomaly in the situation. That's not going to happen all the time. So Ken is pretty much spot on. You need a, you need a franchise quarterback to win. And really, I would do anything it takes, like Ken says, to, to get one. But I think Kirk Cousins is a franchise quarterback. So that's why I would not trade him at all. Before I throw it over to you, James, I'm going to continue on with Ken's thing, but also mention, uh, I was watching the NFL Network, Kevin, and they asked uh, Heath Evans and Deion Sanders, who's going to be the next Dak Prescott in this year's draft? Uh, And Heath Evans said, uh, no one, because there isn't a team out there that has the offensive line, the star running back, the ultra star wide receiver that has any of the talent to surround him with. so, so it's kind of a funny, a funny point that you you also made there. So, uh, good on you. Uh, now, James uh, Ken goes on to say, and Flacco is brought up here. The Ravens were the best team in the league at drafting for the uh, 2000 to 2010 decade, but they didn't find their quarterback and only won one Super Bowl. Green Bay was the inverse in a way. Green Bay was decent at drafting during the same period, but had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks back to back. So they didn't need to rely on the draft to supplement the poor quarterback play in Baltimore during this time. Uh, So he says, I think that quarterback talent evaluation is almost worthless and finding a good quarterback is completely based on luck. Furthermore, it's a waste of time to try and win a Super Bowl if you don't have the quarterback. Third, in order to maximize your chances of getting a quarterback, your best option is to tank. Fourth, the NBA has figured this out and it effing worked and the guy who created it didn't even get a chance to figure it out. Um, I don't necessarily know, though, that the Eagles were tanking to no, get no, Carson no, no. Wentz. We, and, no, no. and I think that's more so attributed to the Philadelphia 76ers, not the Eagles as far as the process he's talking about. No. And to switch gears momentarily, very, very minutely to be succinct about this, the Sixers basically tanked in the NBA basically for the better part of a decade. And over the last five years in succession, they've drafted Nerlens Noel, Joe Embiid, Jaleel Okafor, and Ben Simmons with the first or second pick in the draft in all of those years. Now, this is four years in a row. And for the sake of argument, they all play the same position, power forward, center. The idea was you bring these guys in, you sit them down for a year, get them in shape, get them up to where you want them to be, have them develop into star players, trade them, get assets. In the meantime, you surround your team with aging veterans who still want to play and a bunch of young players who are trying to make a mark in the league that no one else wants. They've done that. This year, they've already traded Nerlens Noel to Dallas just before the trade deadline. And unfortunately, everybody else is hurt except for uh, Jaleel Okafor, who is not playing up to par right now. So things are starting to come around. The architect of that design for the Sixers to tank is no longer around because he was fired last year after they drafted Ben Simmons. Now, to flip that into the NFL, to do that on a similar basis is somewhat difficult. Yes, you can stockpile draft picks, but the stockpiling draft picks, when teams do that, they're typically like a bunch of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round picks where you see teams that say, you know, you come out before the draft and you're like, hey, this team has 12 draft picks. Well, they only have one first, one second, one third. It's very rare if they have multiple first, second, or third round picks in that combination of say more than 10 draft picks. And yes, there's a lot of willing and dealing going around with them trying to move up and down. I can use the Patriots as the best example because every year they've had double-digit picks. They've moved up and down, traded back, acquired players, gotten rid of the picks. But that was more so to build depth so these players can grow in their roles to become the stars that we currently have, you know, for the Patriots. And other teams have tried that. It's not worked out so well because, you want these young players to develop in your system and grow, but if the veteran hangs on too long or performs better than you anticipated, you're kind of between a rock and a hard place when this young player is done with his rookie contract and it's time to pay him because the last year of his deal, he's played well, but you only have that last year of his deal where he actually played. Doing this with a quarterback, as far as Washington is concerned, is a risk either way you take it. 
And I'm not going to knock on Kirk Cousins' ability or anything like that. He is a capable quarterback in the NFL. Um, he's not elite. Uh, he's growing towards being one of the best in the league. His stats definitely put him amongst the company of the top-tier quarterbacks in the league. But game-to-game situations, I'm not seeing the consistency to warrant what he wants. Now, granted, he's in a remarkable situation that he can command the salary that he wants, and the franchise tag would basically make him the third-highest-paid quarterback in the league next season should he sign it, and that's all he plays on. But if Shanahan loves him so much, they will have to pony up, I think, multiple draft picks to plot him away from Washington because that would be in Washington's best interest, you know, to sign Kirk to the, to the franchise tag, let the Niners work out the deal long-term and just acquire as many picks as possible. It may take two or three picks, definitely the number one if they want it. I, I just don't see how this process would work on an NFL level because there's so much hit or miss, and quarterback is probably the worst scouted position in football. For all the experts out there who scout the position, and you look back over the number of quarterbacks coming out of college, and all these guys who are supposed to blossom, either be the next big thing or just the future for a franchise, pretty much fade after five years, and you never hear from them again. I mean, look at Matt Leinart when he came out of USC, and then look at Mark Sanchez. You know, neither one has played anywhere near the potential that was thrown on them coming out of college. But how is it that Matt Leinart, who played in back-to-back championship games in college, um, won the Heisman Trophy, probably the highest-rated quarterback in his draft class, comes out, doesn't last more than three seasons, and Mark Sanchez is going into, what, his eighth year or ninth year into the league as a backup with the Dallas Cowboys still, if he's uh, still in the contract. So the evaluation of talent there is, let's say it's a crapshoot, is being generous. I, I just don't see how that will work out unless you have the staff and the personnel in place to do all of that willing and dealing. Like I said, the Patriots are pretty much the masters at it because they tend to turn a lot of those low-round draft picks into acquiring talented superstars right at the end of the prime of their careers as far as getting Corey Dillon, who helped them win the Super Bowl, getting Randy Moss, who helped them get to a Super Bowl, um, you know, players like that. And I haven't seen other teams really turn that around. On the flip side of doing all of that, you can still use the Green Bay approach in which they – they're very limited as far as their free agent activity because everybody is homegrown. They do keep their draft picks and they turn those into star players who stay there for eight to 10 years at a time. So, so when it comes to the Patriots, I, I, I agree. And, and sort of to continue to back up what Ken's saying here is the idea is to acquire as many draft picks as possible because uh, evaluating future talent is so difficult. You want to get as many lottery tickets as you possibly can. So one hits. And in terms of the Patriots, they do a great job of evaluating current talent to know when a guy uh, still has enough to offer to a team to win games. Uh, whereas they don't necessarily have that ability with draft picks. Their drafts in the last couple of years have just been frankly awful uh and you can look specifically at the wide receiver position uh where their number one wide receiver right now was a guy they picked in the seventh round um and they've got a bunch of other guys that they've drafted higher uh that are no longer in the league or are struggling to make a team uh or or are on are on some sort of practice squad somewhere uh rob i want to add one more thing here from ken's rant uh, in regards to your team, uh, he's basically saying uh, to add another aspect of my overall argument, I believe that if a team displays conduct that is in direct conflict with besting the odds of winning a championship, it's rational to question your fandom. For instance, if I ever see that the Chargers are making a move that they willingly choose profit over increasing the odds of winning a title, I'll be done with them forever. And so as a team that has struggled for many, many years now, um, 
sort of what is what is your view of this type of idea? If if the Bills were to come out and publicly state in some manner, by the way, no team ever would. But if they right. were, hey, we are we are losing on purpose so that we can get better. Uh, would you end up questioning your fanhood? Uh, it's it's funny because um, the same owner of the Buffalo Bills um, prior to that, uh, Terry Pugula, bought the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and he actually um, gave uh, the uh, front office people the go-ahead to kind of do some something similar to what the Philadelphia 76ers had mentioned. Um, so the Buffalo Sabres essentially tanked uh, for a couple years. Um, and I don't know, I see short term, you definitely do question your, your fandom. You know, I'm a, I'm a hockey fan as well. And my family's had season tickets, um, to the Sabres games. Um, you know, it's not fun to go when you're fielding a bunch of nobodies. Um, now they're on the other side of it. It is kind of fun to see, uh, Jack Eichel, who is, uh, one of the best young players in the game. Um, you know, the Sabres got him specifically because of the tank. Um, the media in Buffalo hated it. Uh, it was kind of funny. Um, but with football, I think it's tough. I think it's tougher to do because first round picks are so much more coveted. Um, and I feel like the infrastructure um, of the NFL, with there being no kind of minor system under it, like the Sabers could get away with playing about half the roster of people who really didn't deserve to be in the league. Um, you, I don't think you could really get half of a roster in the NFL to do something like that. That being said, I think the quarterback position, I think you have to, I like Bill Walsh's theory of just taking one every single year. Um, you know, and if, once you get your guy, keep on doing it because they become a trade asset. I think back in, of, uh, Green Bay, um, you know, even when they had Favre, I know uh, Rinal, you know, Mark Brunel came out of that system. Uh, I think a couple other guys did as well. And then obviously Rodgers, then they made the switch. Um, I think that, you know, quarterback's obviously the hard, probably the hardest position to uh, scout for. Uh, so I think that every year you should be, you know, fourth, fifth round pick, you know, take a flyer on somebody, um, you know, just to see, you know, what you get out of it. Um I think that, you know, the Bills, they it looks like they may end up keeping Tyrod, which I think is a good short-term move, and I think it's something that they need to do because with Buffalo, they haven't made the playoffs in 17 years. So I'm sure that there's a lot of pressure to just get in the playoffs. Um, you know, to say that they were going to start fresh over now, um, a lot of fans would, have, would probably have a problem with it. That being said, I don't necessarily think that I would because I think the whole roster just needs to rebuilt, just needs to be rebuilt because it was, you know, poorly assembled. So, Greg, you and I have the teams that have been, you know, have the ability to sit on the top and look down at the rest of the league, uh, which is kind of a nice place to sit. Um, Rob, you miss Chris Hogan? Uh, so, Greg. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Roethlisberger what? went one pick before the Buffalo Bills pick that year. I was very sad when that happened. What are, what are your thoughts here on this idea? Well, I, I think it's kind of a falsity that you need a top 12 quarterback to win in this league. I think, you know, yes, elite quarterbacks win Super Bowls. Also, though, really good teams win Super Bowls. You know, like t- just two years ago, we saw Peyton Manning win because of his team versus Cam Newton, who was the MVP who everyone was at that point saying was a top yeah, five quarterback. So yeah, it's a little bit of a falsity. And I get the whole idea that you don't want to be the Cincinnati Bengals. You don't want to be treading water with Andy Dalton. But, you know, we'll use Ken's own team, the uh, the Chargers. Well, they've made the, they have the best quarterback in that division for, what, the last decade probably. And they've made the playoffs like twice in the last decade. You know, I mean, Rivers made it a lot early in his career, but I think it's like he's won for his last seven years. He's made the playoffs. I'm sure the Cincinnati Bengals have had a hell of a lot more fun than the San Diego Chargers fans. So, you know, I, I kind of view it as you got to get a lottery ticket as in a playoff berth to have a chance to win the Super Bowl. And then it helps to have the better players, you know, the better quarterback, the better defense, whatever. 
but there's no one way to win the Super Bowl. You have to get to the playoffs. And I'm saying that kind of from my own childhood history where I had Neil O'Donnell and Mike Tomzak and Cordell Stewart as my quarterbacks. And it was fun to make the playoffs. It was fun to be the number two seed in the AFC. And then we got, you know, I think Bill Cowher was like one in six or in home AFC title games. That blew. But, you know, the, the other four months of the football season was a lot of fun. So just with that dynamic, you got to get to the playoffs. And, you know, even this year, I mean, if you look back to the Derek Carr injury, you know, what it was looking like the Patriots are going to have to play two of the three uh, teams in the AFC, as in the Raiders, Chiefs, and Steelers, to make it to the Super Bowl. And they kind of got a break just with how everything fell. And also the Steelers got a break because we didn't have to go to Oakland. So it's like one of those things, you got to get a ticket to the postseason and then everything else. And we're kind of, just because you have a good quarterback, your team's more likely to be good. You're saying, you know, you're kind of saying you have to have one to make it. And I just don't believe that because even when Russell Wilson a few years ago won his Super Bowl, uh, when he was the second year in the league, he was not, you know, a top 12 quarterback in the league at that point. He was close. He was ascending. But you know, his team was really good around them. And I think that's what we're missing in all this is that you got to build that team and then maybe that quarterback finishes you off. And what's the best way to get that? I mean, heck, everyone's gone every route you can uh, dream of. I mean, the, the Broncos have won three Super Bowls and have never drafted a quarterback that has won them a Super Bowl. So it's all over the place. But I guess it's fun. I'm just, I guess, getting full circle and I'm kind of rambling, but I'm just really happy that uh, your your Jimmy G isn't going to be in Cleveland. So, <laughs> wow, uh, maybe James. Uh, last point here. So we were talking about the Green Bay Packers and everything they did. And this is where talent evaluation comes in. In the span that Brett Favre was a quarterback, Green Bay pretty much seemed like every other year drafted a quarterback. And just to run off a couple of those names here, we probably all know who they are. Currently, Aaron Rodgers is a starter. We know how that turned out. But before that, Brett Favre's backups were Matt Hasselbeck, Mark Brunel, Aaron Brooks, Doug Peterson, Ty Detmer, Tavares Jackson, Kellen Clemens, Brad Smith, J.T. O'Sullivan, and Kurt Warner. So you've got to have some – and all of those guys went on to start somewhere else. Kurt Warner ended up winning a Super Bowl. Doug Peterson ended up being the stopgap before the Eagles drafted Donovan Knapp. Aaron Brooks had wonderful years in New Orleans. Uh, Hasselback had great years in Seattle, got them to a Super Bowl. Mark Brunel had a wonderful career with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. So, and Ty Detmer had a wonderful career in Philadelphia until the new regime came in and, and took over and just phased all of those, you know, all guys out. For the most part, all these guys had excellent careers as starters. Now, did their teams go on to win Super Bowls? Not all the time, no. But you need talent evaluators there. And to say that, you know, seeing this process work in Green Bay doesn't mean that if you stockpile draft picks and just draft the best quarterback available, do you have the system to groom these quarterbacks behind a great one, you know, like Favre was in Green Bay at the time, and have these guys go on to do things for other teams where you can bring in those players? Because basically you're trading these players, they're virtually draft picks, you know, that you're trading to get other players in to help your team in other spots. And that's basically how Green Bay has built their team. Well, I think you just hit on something. Who was the quarterback's coach during that time period? Um, Andy Reid in the beginning. And after him, uh, I believe the current coach right now was. Yeah. And I think that's key. I think I think what you've stumbled upon is the development of these players uh, as they move on in the game. I mean, if we want to look at the Patriots, the Patriots have had great success with the quarterbacks on their team. But when those quarterbacks went to other teams, you know, Bledsoe had a Bledsoe had a decent year in Buffalo. He was doing okay in Dallas when he first started. Um, but uh, yeah, so, so that's Bledsoe. Castle had a great year in Kansas City the first year, and then he sort of trailed off. He just recently mm-hmm. got resigned as the backup in uh, Tennessee, by the way. Um, Castle you know, so, got resigned. Oh my god, he did. Uh, <laughs> but there's, but there's been other, but there's been others that that have fallen well off the map in terms of backups. You know, Brian Hoyer hasn't seemed to have found a place where he can, you know, stick his. Uh, flag uh, anywhere um 
but he's had to, he had a modicum of success on the Patriots. Um, so it 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 it's obviously a, a development thing, and I don't think we're going to get to a lot of this. Two things came up uh, during the course of that conversation. One, uh, we keep mentioning the San Diego Chargers. They're no longer in San Diego. They're the L.A. Chargers of San Diego, <laughs> which reminded me of the fact that the L.A. Rams uh, have recently shown that they're going to go to blue and white. But isn't that what the L.A. Chargers are also doing? Are we going to have two oh, blue boy. and white teams in Los Angeles? This doesn't seem copacetic with me. Someone change his color scheme, please. Yeah, please. Exactly. The uh, The other thing that came up as I was uh, looking on Twitter to make sure I didn't miss any news on the day, uh, at Hostess underscore snacks, remember when you didn't want a box of Hostess snacks? We don't either. Retweet and tell us your favorite hashtag cupcake for a chance to win a hashtag giveaway. Uh, so, Greg, I hope you're all over that for us. Um, and by the way, Hostess Snacks, uh, we are available for promotion. If you'd like to uh, promote your product on our podcast without us mentioning your name or with us mentioning your name, you know, because you've paid us to. Uh, we'll gladly do it without you paying us, but we're not going to do it forever for free. That's for sure. Um, one last item before we close up shop. And that is the email we got from Josh. He sent it to us next fan up at gmail.com. Uh, Josh said the super fans should make trade offers to each other as though each were the GM of their respective teams. Also, what would it take to get a uh, quote insert superstar player here? He says uh, his title uh, was straight up trade Jimmy G for JJ Watt. I would do that, what? but I don't think that the Texans would never do that. Yeah, that would be outrageous. Um, outrageous. Just so you know, Josh, during the super fan super mock draft, that's exactly what we do with our super fans. Each super fan is the general manager of their respective team, and they are allowed to make trades. I, uh, I perform as the commissioner of the league. I do not take away uh, first round draft picks for deflating balls. Uh, that's pretty much the only difference uh, between my commissionership and that of the NFL commissioner. Um, but yeah, that's what we do. So uh, let's I, see I gotta, here. I got to yeah, say, for Josh, Josh, you'd be shocked with these uh, these goofballs trying to offer you for your first round pick. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, I'm I'm willing to give up Jimmy G for the Browns first. You know, they're two first rounders, but. Yeah, that's just me. Uh, that's pretty much all I've got on the list here, gentlemen. The Combine's going on right now. Uh, we will definitely have some reaction on the Sunday show with the super fans. I think next week, as uh, free agency officially kicks off at 4 p.m. on Thursday, uh, that our show will be probably featured, we'll be looking more at the Combine than free agency, uh, because then next Sunday, you know, two Sundays from now, uh, our super fans will have some heavy reaction to all of the signings that go on. Uh, we talked about perhaps postponing the Thursday show to Friday, uh, but I talked myself out of it, uh, realizing there's just going to be way too many signings going on and way too many signings that will happen after the show goes live, making that show pretty much irrelevant. So uh, we got some plans and we'll probably focus more on the draft uh, next Thursday than we will on free agency. Uh, so that's what we got going on. And of course, if we got more questions from you, like Josh sent us in next fan up at gmail.com, we would love to interact with you and answer some of your questions and talk about some of these things. Like, uh, would you continue to root for your favorite team? If you found out that they were tanking on purpose? Uh, I think that's a definite fan based conversation. And I'm glad that we had it here. Uh, so send those emails in. And of course, uh, if you would uh, tweet us at NFU podcast, that would be great. And subscribe to the show on iTunes, tune in stitcher, wherever you can get a great podcast, uh, share the show uh, with your friends. Am I missing anything today, guys? Uh, Kevin, I'll give you uh, one last shot here. Um, I don't think so, but I do have a question for you, pod. Yes. The ball sheared. Are you guys going to resign him? Probably not. Right. Well, you know, it's funny you bring that up because Chris Long uh, mentioned on social media just the other day that he will not be returning to New England. And that was the guy I was hoping 
the Patriots were going to retain, especially if they end up losing Hightower. Uh, so uh, now that Long is definitely not going to be in New England and Hightower is still sort of questionable, I hope they do retain at least Sheard. Um, but I think he's already got a foot out the door, too. I think he does, too. And I would love the Cowboys to get him because I don't think he would really cost that much money. And he's something. And I think he's pretty good against both the run and the pass, don't you think? Sheard? Am I just completely uh, off more, on that? He, he's pretty much a, a straight pass rusher. I don't know if you can rely on him in uh, pass coverage. Um, well, I mean, okay, well, the Cowboys need a pass rusher, so, I mean, I'll, I'll reach out to him via Twitter. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> It'll work. James, uh, any last words here? Uh, nah, uh, this, look, when free agency is officially underway, it's going to be fast and furious for the first three or four days, and it's going to hit that low where everyone's like, what's taking so long to sign this guy? And, you know, typical of every year. I'm definitely looking forward to it to see who gets signed immediately for ungodly amounts of money. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I should I should also admit that I'm not looking forward to free agency because I've got about a week or two before the Patriots will sign anybody anyway. Uh, Greg, uh, last word. Uh, just make sure you go to our website and check out the brand new article that's up. Uh, James, our Houston fan, has a big article about quarterbacks and the value of them. That's right. Nextfanup.wordpress.com. Uh, I was going to talk about that particular article, but uh, didn't have enough time to read it in full and really sink it all in. And uh, it, it will take you. I will let you know right now. It will take you some time to really think about what James is writing because it's it kind of goes deep into some math. Uh, so, <laughs> so give that a give that a read and let us know what you think. Next fan up at gmail dot com and uh, tweet at hostess snacks so you can win a win some free cupcakes. I, I don't need any cupcakes. I've lost twenty eight pounds now since January first. So, wow. While I would love to eat awesome. a cupcake, I don't think that would go well on my diet at the current time. Probably not. No. All right. Speaking of losing, uh, here's Jeff Fisher. There you have it. Well, I think we learned today that, um, you know, this game is four quarters long. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.